What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number 79 of the Two Metal for this podcast. I am Jason. You are Jason. And with me today, as always, is Justin. Howdy. And Bobby. I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott. And one day the mountain might get me, but the law never will. Oh, breaking the law. Not stinks a hazard, man. So we want to start out the show with some gratitude. Who we think we appreciate each and every one of you for listening to this podcast every week in single and week one out. Most of you, I don't appreciate it. If you're not listening every week, then fuck you. Yeah, nobody seems that. like sleep tokens, so we love you all, right? Yeah, we have to have at least one. Sleep we we token. do. Somebody said they liked them, but I was just going with it. No, yeah, I'm sorry if we offended you. I'm not sorry. But They're not sorry. Either. Two we out of three, sorry. We don't want to offend the worshipers. I do worship. The fuck you worshiping bands for? Stupid. That said, we want to shout out John Shoemaker. Yeah. yeah. And we want to shout out Mark McDermott. Hey, Mark. Right. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate all them funny ass videos and Instagram. All right. Be cool like John and Mark. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Metal for this. Yeah, man, drop your comments and, and interact with us. Let us know what you think of the show. So One. this week, we're going to get into part two of our conversation about bands from the Northeast. United good States. Good spot, man. Good spot. But before we get into that, mm. what are we going to do? Bobby's going to review some albums. But before Bobby reviews those albums for you, there's only one thing left to do. What's that? that? And that's go to Justin, the electric spider, with the news. The news. Hatebreed announced a 30th anniversary show with Shadows Fall, Shadow of Intent, 100 Demons with Honor, Sworn Enemy, Dead by Wednesday, Eyes of the Living and Demon Scar in support. The show is March 17th in Wallingford, Connecticut. Uh, Josta says this is going to be an annual event moving forward. No. March Metal Matinee. March, March Metal Madness. Northeast fucking get down I, right there. Dude, I would love to go to that show. That's a good lineup. Plus, where else are you going to see fucking Sworn Enemy, man? That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. When that you guys don't up, even play like, anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Former Issues guitarist AJ Rabolo, uh has joined Bad Wolves, and the band released a new single titled Knife. AJ also does vocals, which adds a new dynamic to the band. Go check out that song. It's one of the heavier Bad Wolves songs I've heard in a while. And yes. uh, your boy Doc Cole. Doc Coyle's still there. there. It's yep. actually a pretty good song. I, I, I dug that one. Yeah. So the other guitarist was the other, not the, like Doc Cole was the lead guy, right? Correct. And then to the guy that doesn't practice a lot left and they replaced him with this guy i guess so he's not replacing that coil that's no, no Doc, doc's still in the band yeah gotcha, gotcha. some 41 have announced their last headlining world tour Good. called touring the setting sum it'll kick off march 1st in jakarta indonesia yeah. uh, going through japan in mid to late march a stop in mexico happens on march 30th before they come to the u.s april 19th in omaha nebraska through May 19th in Norfolk, Virginia. In June, they'll be back overseas with stops in Europe. And then in August, they'll be in Canada before coming back to the United States in September. On the 4th in San Francisco through the October 5th in Las Vegas. Then November 23rd, they play Paris, France for the largest show they've ever done in front of a sold-out crowd of 35,000. And their final show will be January 30th, 2025 in their home country in Toronto. What was it say if your biggest show is a bunch of French people? Fucking terrible. Be careful in the pit, by the way. You might get a fat lip. Kim Dracula will have a headline tour with uh, Jairus Johnson and Tala in support. Starts March 9th in Philly, ends March 29th in San Diego. There's well, another one for you, Bobby. A couple of weeks. Oh, that's that's uh, outside of Tala. That's a... Pretty, yeah. I'll mm-hmm. pass. Mm-hmm. What else you got? Uh, we're going to go back to the 90s for a minute. Uh, right. Bush is going to have a headline tour with Jerry Cantrell and Candlebox in support. Yeah, that starts uh, July 26th in Bend, Oregon, and it ends September 15th in Los Angeles. 
fuck that shoe. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So Jesus Peace right. and uh, Senga Sugubog. Hey, all right. Ah, I said it right. Fucking hey. I mean, it was close. It was about the best. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Uh, they're going to co-headline with Peeling Flesh and Gag in support. How about those band names? Yeah. They kind of go together, right? right? That starts... Gag on my Peeling Flesh. <laughs> oh, shit. That starts uh, April 11th in Columbus, and it ends May 11th in Boston. Look, I have no idea who Peeling Flesh is, but that name is so badass, I'm going to check that out. Mm. I hope it doesn't let me down. I hear, Ron- you down. I hear Ronnie Radke's got an appearance on this tour. Yeah. And somehow you wormed it into the goddamn news. You didn't follow that story? No. He was feuding with them? Oh, man. Why the fuck? Did you talk about it? No, because I don't talk about feuds. I what I know about anything that Ronnie Radke does ever. Alex Terrible ended that feud. Anyways. Oh, where he was like, I'll fucking think oh, yeah. like he's the... Oh, yeah. The, the boss before the final ball. Oh, yeah. That's who it was. Ronnie Radke is main boss. I wanted to come to me first. Right. I like that. That was funny as fuck. Feud ended like, nah, we're cool, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Between the Buried and Me and the Acacia Strain will co-headline. Uh, the Introducing the Colors Experience Tour. It's done. Uh, on this tour, uh, every stop will have back-to-back dates in the same city and the same venue. Uh, the first night between the Barry to me will play Colors in full, and the Casey Strain will play Step Into the Light uh, in full, plus songs from 3750 and Coma Witch. The second night between the Barry to me will play Colors 2 in full, and the Casey Strain will play Failure Will Follow in full. <laughs> uh, the tour starts March 7th in Charlotte, and it ends April 16th in Seattle. I think it's a pretty interesting concept they yeah, have going on I here. I like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go to that particular show, yeah. but I hope that other people follow suit and realize that's a cool idea. It is very cool. Unless you can only go to one show and you would really like to see the one album and then the other album and they're fucking split and you're like, shit, you got to fucking flip yeah. the coin. But that is cool. I do really like that all these bands are doing the full albums. Yeah. yeah it's man. a different experience than hearing like just the best of all the time, you know? Well, so. uh, just in general, people, you don't play the whole fucking album. Mm-hmm. You just get a couple of songs and not play right. the Right. Like, and a lot of times, as, the as weird listeners like. Or, something, or the goofy song that nobody likes but me, and yeah, then you you're going to fucking play it. You That's, want that deep cut. Yeah. A know? lot of times we get a, an attachment to one particular album, and we might casually listen to the other stuff, but that one album is like. It's you the know, main one. Yeah. And you want to yep. hear it. There's a lot of bands like that that if they would just play that one album, I'd go see. Fucking Incubus. Play Science. God damn it. How is that not a thing? Like, everybody would go see that. Anybody that likes Incubus likes that one. That's the fucking one. Nostalgia's getting bigger, so, you know, as more bands do this, maybe more and more will pick it up and we'll, we'll get it more regular. I'm saying, why wait for nostalgia? Just play your whole fucking album now. That's what you made it for. A Monomart did that uh, yeah. with Search to Rising. Right after it came out, they played the whole album on that first tour. It was pretty cool. Hmm. They can do whatever the fuck they want. Monomart, yeah, they Who's do whatever the fuck they want. Who's going to tell them otherwise? Shit, no. <laughs> pick you up like the fucking yeah, Undertaker. Big motherfucker. I, just seen pick, I don't know who the fuck it was, but he was standing next to someone. That guy's fucking huge. <laughs> Massive Vikings, man. I was like, man. Yeah. I think it was maybe Kerry King, but he's kind of a little bitch anyways. <laughs> you heard that, Kerry King? Bobby motherfucking McDermott what, what said, do? you a little bitch, well, and your man name is stupid. Don't get short with me, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just saying, the Man of Marth guy was fucking huge. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the for those of you local to Florida, uh, Jason will be at Pantera and Lamb of God uh, Saturday the 3rd. That's going to be the Sunrise Florida show. Uh, before he gets on the boat for Shiprocked, uh, we will have a bonus episode covering his experience on Shiprocked at some point. Uh, I'll be at the Static X and Seven Dust show uh, this Sunday, February 4th at the Hard Rock in Tampa. And the following day, I'll get to see Pantera and Lamb of God in Tampa as well. If you come find me in the pit, I'll give you a sticker. Hey, all right. And now you know what his face looks like. Yeah, now you can fucking see me, so. Don't try no stupid shit. Try some stupid shit. Try it. Still get a sticker. Give him the old butt knife. The old butt knife. (laughs) That's the news. I'll see you guys next week. All right, I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott with some new music out here I'm going to share with you. going to rate this stuff on a uh, one to six upside down pentagrams. The intention is not to crush anybody's feelings, but I ain't here to suck anybody's dick. If I don't like it, I'll tell you. If I do like it, I'll fucking tell you. All right, so we're getting into the year. Shit's finally coming out. 
Uh, we're going to start off with Green Goat. The album is AI's eight songs, 38 minutes of psychedelic stoner doom from Spain. This is just a two-piece, creating these uh, deep, sweeping sonic atmospheres, giving you a bleak vibe, kind of reminiscent of, uh, like, Blade Runner or The Crow, something like that. And then all of a sudden, you get some bluesy desert rock. Cool riffs with effects all over the guitar. Vocals switch between an odd clean and an alternative-style dirty. Not a fan. Uh... Standout track was Human. Uh, if you like stuff like uh, Ufa Mammoth, Los Natas, and Welcome to Sky Valley, check out some chill shit coming out of the Spaniards area. Green Goat with their debut album, AI4, Upside Down Pentagram. Green Goat. I don't know if that's a joke on, like, Gringo, but Green Goat, I don't know. It, yeah, you're probably right. I Might didn't even be. catch that. Uh, so we've been waiting on this one. Static X released their new album, Project Regeneration Volume 2. 14 songs, 48 minutes of industrial-flavored new metal from California. This is uh, part two of the last of Wayne Static's recorded vocals. This is also the original lineup from Wisconsin Death Trip, plus zero handling additional vocals. Uh, this is 13 new songs and a terrible cover of Nine Inch Niners' Terrible Lie. Uh, this record is bouncy, industrial, super staccato, chunky stuff, stompy four on the floor grooves, effects on the vocals, electronic noises and samples, you know, static X. Some of this is regurgitated stuff from their older shit, like some of the backing synths are the exact same stuff from their early album, uh, The Machine. Uh, but there are some pretty cool songs on here, uh, super catchy grooves, the guitar crunch is fucking awesome, the song Kamikaze is a good example of both. Uh, other standouts are Take Control, which has a more new wave elements to it. And if you're a fan of the early stuff, uh, definitely give Run For Your Life a listen. That was a fucking badass song. I think if Rob Zombie had snatched these guys up way back, they could have done something pretty badass. Better than Rob Solo shit, at least. Uh, there are some skippers on this thing, but it was surprisingly cool. Uh, the new Static X album, Project Regeneration Volume 2, is a four and a half upside down pentagrams. Hey, didn't they play that cover when we seen them live? Terrible Eye? It's not. Yeah, good. it's not a good cover. I didn't mm. like the cover either. No, we heard a lot. It was a little better live, but yeah, it's. It's not. I don't know, man. This is one of them songs. I don't think you should mess with that song. Yeah, right. But there are some cool songs on there. But there's some skippers. Uh, it's a pretty good job though. Um, but this is the one I've been talking about and been waiting for. Slower <laughs> with their self-titled album, five songs, thirty-nine minutes with Stoner Doom covers of Slayer. This band features members of Fu Manchu, Kailessa, Monolord, Year of the Cobra, Lowrider, and Caius, fucking Scott Reader on the bass. This is super drugged out, low and slow effects, smothered versions of War Ensemble, The Antichrist, Blood Red, Dead Skin Mask, and South of Heaven. Get your fucking levels right and check that shit out slower with their self-titled debut, Five Upside Down Pentagrams. That's it. Go listen to something with a lady on the bass and stay curious, motherfuckers. Represent that sound, but it's also an opportunity to talk about a bunch of other fucking bands. I tricked you. We got SOD, they're Stormtroopers of Death, formed in 1985. This is somewhat of a super group comprised of icons of the New York thrash metal scene. On the microphone, we got Billy Milano, who go off to form the band MOD, and uh, he was also the former bass player of the Psychos. Uh, the bass is handled by Dan Lilker, who's been in like 10,000 other fucking bands, but no most notably Nuclear Assault, a badass thrash metal band from the late 80s and 90s. And he was also in the grindcore band Brutal Truth. All those 90s hardcore fuckers, bands like Snapcase, Earth Crisis, and Overcast, and stuff like that, they were all influenced by Brutal Truth. He was also in the original lineup of Anthrax. And speaking of that band, the rest of SOD is made up of metal legends Scott Ian on the guitar and Charlie Benante behind the drums, both of Anthrax, which is one of the big four. 
And I hear a lot of people nowadays saying they don't understand why Anthrax gets included in the big four. Well, that sounds like they never heard the Among the Living album, which is a thrash metal classic. Features badass songs about Judge Dredd and The Stand, written by Stephen King, if you're into that shit. Also, Anthrax was a very innovative band, one of the first to combine rap and metal when they partnered with Public Enemy. Jonathan Davis and Korn are often credited with making the Adidas tracksuit cool from metalheads, but Anthrax wore that shit back when they were promoting I Am The Man. Just saying. Mm. That innovative creativity carried over into this project, S.O.D., are recognized as one of the first bands to combine hardcore punk with thrash metal, which today is referred to as crossover thrash. So you're welcome for that. The album is Speak English or Die, 21 songs of super moshy heavy metal. You got big meaty riffs, some of the best chuggas of its time. Charlie B with that iconic Northeast groove, gang chants, what more could you want? These guys also serve up a big scoop of comedy. While the songs can be brutally heavy, the lyrics are all for a goof, mostly with the intent to piss people off. The album starts off with a theme song-type instrumental, The March of S.O.D. It's one of the best, most metal riffs ever. One of the first songs I learned how to play. Super simple, super heavy, and will have you feeling like a rock god in no time. And it slides right into Sergeant D and the S.O.D., a great two-part opener to this awesome record. Some pretty straightforward metal stuff here, like the songs United Forces and Fist Bang Mania. But then there's funny shit like Anti-Procrastination Song, which is barely six seconds long. Then you got Premenstrual Princess Blues with the hilarious lyrics, I got blood class the size of basketballs. Then these guys talk shit on Hendrix, if that wasn't blasphemous enough. You got a guy, uh, say you got a buddy who's always getting nagged by his woman, or he's got like a curfew and he's always ruining the good times because he does whatever his woman tells him. You kick on the funniest song on this album, which Pussy Whipped, and it would express your dislike of the situation in a hilarious and heavy way. You guys familiar with S.O.D. stuff? Oh, man. First of all, Pussy Whipped would never fly nowadays. Never. The song rips. Man, you know how many people would be coming for them if they released that today? Oh, so what? Speak English that, or die. That's toxic masculinity, Bobby. It's masculinity. And then Sergeant D, he'll kill your sister, then mail back her tits. Hey. He'll beat you senseless, then break out the whips. Sergeant D is telling to piss oh, on man. your head. So mostly this was like a one-and-done side project. There's a few different live albums out there. Uh, they did another thing in the late 90s, Bigger Than the Devil, which didn't make any impact. I don't even fucking worry about that lump of shit. Hey. Uh, they have reunited a few times for some live gigs, but have officially said that there's no plans for anything new. This was mainly just about the one album, which is an underground classic. Band's pretty much retired. Charlie B is busy out there with Pantera, and he and uh, Scott Ian have recorded a new Anthrax album, which should be out sometime this year. The Stormtrooper of Death influence can still be felt today in metal, hardcore punk, and all the crossover stuff. Many bands have them playing before they go on stage, and there's plenty of awesome covers out there. In Tune does an amazing version of the March of S.O.D. and Sergeant D. So, yeah, when you talk about the Northeast metal and the whole scene coming out of there, you have to talk about the Stormtroopers of Dead. Check them out if you're uninitiated. It's one of the coolest names, by the way. Well, well it's the coolest band. It's a great name. All right, so the next band we're going to be talking about is All That Remains. All right. All That Remains are a metalcore band from Springfield, Massachusetts. Ah, all right. They were formed in 1998 and are largely considered to be one of the pioneers of the metalcore scene. Mm. So the story goes that vocalist and founder of the band, Phil Labonte, was the original vocalist for the Boston-based metalcore band Shadows Fall. Uh, we actually discussed this way back on episode six, if you want to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, but anyways, Phil was asked to leave the band due to musical differences. I recently watched a Wikipedia fact or fiction video with Phil. And he said that those uh, musical differences basically amounted to the fact that uh, Brian Fair was available. 
<laughs> he had just left Overcast, and the band thought that Brian was a better fit for the band, so uh, they gave Phil the old boot. They liked his long dreads. <laughs> they are pretty awesome. When huh? did uh, Kill Switch start? That's when, because uh, the bass player from Overcast is... And Killswitch, yeah. 1999. So kind of around the same era. They broke up, he did Shadows Fall, then he went to fucking Killswitch. Yeah, so you kind of got two two bands for the price of one. Death Revision, they come back for that band. Fun fact, Phil uh, was trying to uh, replace Jesse in Killswitch 2 before Howard took over. Just a fact. All right. Interesting. So after Shadows Fall, Phil began to focus all of his energy on uh, his side project, which was at the time All That Remains. He made that his primary focus. Smart move. Lineup at the time was Phil on vocals, Chris Bartlett and Ollie Herbert on guitar, Dan Egan on bass, and Michael Bartlett on the drums. They released their debut album in March of 02, titled Behind Silence and Solitude. Uh, Now, this album was very raw and unrefined, Mm -hmm. um, definitely very early on, uh, but the groundwork was here. A little bit more melodic death metal and less metalcore, I think, on this album. Mm. Uh, but there's a few bangers on there. Be sure to check out songs like Follow and Shading. I think those were the standouts for me on that album. There's not much on there, but those those are solid tracks for sure. I remember when I picked up that album, I was like, I picked it up after I got the Follow White Deals, mind you. So I'm going back to yeah. this album and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but yeah, there's good shit on there. It's just different. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so it wasn't until the second album, This Darkened Heart, uh, when a lot of people really jumped on board. Uh, this is when I found the band. album came out in March of 2004, and a friend of mine introduced me to them shortly after that. Uh, and I saw them open for Chimera sometime oh. in between this album and the next one. And I remember them just absolutely crushing it live. If you haven't heard this album, it's definitely a huge step up in production and songwriting. It was notably produced by Adam D. from Killswitch and brought in some new band members. Now you had Mike Martin on the rhythm guitar and Matt Dace uh, took over the bass duties. Yeah, I actually did not hear about this band during this album cycle. I got onto them after the Fall of Ideals, but when I seen them live, I heard tracks like Vicious Betrayal, Focus Shall Not Fail, Tattered on my sleeve and this darkened heart, and they were all fucking killer. And it had me go back. There's a pretty big jump between those two albums. But I think the jump between this and the next one's huge. Yeah, but this album was the one where they started to get more into the melodic metalcore style, uh, which they're more known for now. And they started to feature the clean vocals a little bit more prominently. Justin mentioned, but like songs like Deepest Gray and Focus Shall Not Fail, those are definitely, <laughs> those were the groundwork for what what's about to come. But this album also featured some of the heaviest songs that they ever did, like Tattered on My Sleeve. Yeah. This song's fucking brutal, Killer. man. Killer track, man. I fucking love that one. Yeah, not a big fan of the cleans and stuff, but they do that uh, super clean metal core Scandy Jollies. Like I said, I had just realized that what I don't like about the genre is that it's clean, but now I realize that I can look at it a little differently. And these guys definitely had that super clean sound that inspired other fucking bands of the scene. But it's that Scandy Jollies. It's happy fucking oh. metal. It's funny because I realized that this week as well, that a lot of metalcore has that Scandy type of happy. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking of the way you mentioned it that one time, Bobby. That hot, happy riffs and happy it's kind of a jaunty bounce yeah. to it instead mm-hmm. of the hateful grind. Right. Yeah. yeah, without In Flames and At The Gates, like you didn't even have this metalcore scene mm-hmm. in the States. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that. So building on the success of this darkened heart, the band released their third full-length album, The Fall of Ideals, in July of 2006. Mm-hmm. Now, this album, once again produced by Adam D., mostly features the same lineup as the last, uh, but Gene Sagan was brought in as the bass player and Shannon Lucas on the drums. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a big fan of metalcore, you probably know that this isn't just any album. Mm-mm. This is a metalcore masterpiece. This is one of the cornerstones. Justin and I reviewed this album back on episode 36. If you want to hear us go into depth. But in my opinion, this is one of the two most important metalcore albums ever released. Right alongside Kill Switch Engages Alive or Just Breathing. Songs like This Calling and Six brought the band to a level of success that they had not previously seen. Both of these songs are still in the band's most streamed songs of all time. 
And this album peaked at number 75 on the Billboard 200. Six was also featured on Guitar Hero, which Mm -hmm. really exposed them to Uh an even larger audience. 79 episodes I've given 15 sixes. This is one of them. This this album is great. Uh, The Weak Willed and It Dwells in Me are like almost death metal tracks. You don't expect them on this album. They're so heavy. This Calling, Not Alone, Six, Becoming the Catalyst. That's another heavy fucking track there that I breathe. There's not a weak song on this entire thing. This is great. The The Weak Willed goes so fucking hard, man. I love that track. songs i mean yeah it's a, it's a six if you didn't listen to the episode it's it's a six all day long it's, it's a six it's a, it's a six one out of 15 I mean, don't give i've only given 15 so far so i'll give it a list i'll give it a spin also cool to note that this is the album where i saw the roles get reversed and now chimera was opening for all that remains instead of the other way around yeah and rightfully so in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. But pretty neat to see in such a short window of time that it completely flip flopped. Mm -hmm. They released their fourth album overcome in September of 2008. Uh, This was the first album not produced by Adam D and instead was produced by Jason Sukoff. And this was also the first album featuring Jason Costa on the drums. This album marked another change in the band's sound. The heavy elements were still there. But now there were songs like Two Weeks and Believe in Nothing that featured no screamed vocals. Uh, I think it's safe to say that a lot of the old school fans may have jumped ship here, myself included. Although I, I did eventually come back on board. Yeah, like I like Two Weeks, but that song's really unfortunate because it did take off so big that I feel like they based a lot of their future music off of that track. And it's an anomaly on this album. It's not what the album represents. There's a lot of other good songs on here, like Before the Damned and Relinquish. Even Days Without, which is more melodic. Do Not Obey. Yeah. It's a good one, too. And Chiron or whatever. That's a cool track, too. Like, there's a lot of good stuff on here. But for some reason, two weeks took off, like, nobody's fucking business. And it is still one of their most popular songs. I think it actually is their most streamed song to this day with 107 million streams on Spotify. It's just not, who, the, it's not who this band was before, though. Yeah, so, I mean, you're right, though. They've spent the rest of their career chasing that. Yeah, and it just, it's just, I don't know. Like Relinquish, I thought that was funny. It was more harsh and less of the soft. I was, mm-hmm. I was more a fan of that shit. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. So if yeah. I like it, probably wouldn't be popular. Yeah. Nah, I, get, I see where was, you're going there. Yeah. But this album, it still had, like, that good mix but as Justin kind of alluded to, we get a little bit more down that watered-down radio path going forward. Mm. For We Are Many was the fifth mm. album from the band, released in October of 2010. And this is where the band largely continued to go down that path. Mm-hmm. Uh, the album's not bad. just doesn't quite have that lightning in, in the bottle effect that they captured on Fall of Ideals. Uh, they released their sixth album, A War You Cannot Win, in November of 2012. They did bring Adam D back for this one as the producer, uh, and the lineup still still remained the same. And this album was a pretty healthy mix of the heavy and melodic, but it does feature two of the band's biggest ballads, which are Stand Up and What If I Was Nothing. Yeah. What do you guys think of those ballads being included on these tracks on this album? What If I Was Nothing still stands out to this day. It's still a good song regardless. Uh, I wish the band wouldn't have went down this route, but as a standalone song, I do like that one on the previous album i know you skip past it pretty quick but the opening track now let them tremble gave me a lot of hope for four we are many and then it was quickly fucking dropped that opening track was good but then they lost it 
name. Y'all some ballad loving motherfuckers. I do love the ballads. So what if I was nothing is some serious self dance It bullshit. is. But it did make me think that that was the East Coast version of Avenged Sevenfold. Okay. That's a great comparison. It's yeah, fair. And that's what I I'll give you that. There. But it is a great ballad. It's well written with I mean, less guitar work. It's got all the shit yeah, that you... At this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got all the stuff you want from a good ballad. Makes you feel we're, things. We're in 2012. Ollie's still around. Makes so, you tingle a little but, bit, you know? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Tingles over here. February 2015, the band released album number seven, The Order of Things. The lineup was once again unchanged, but they did bring in Josh Wilbur as the producer. For me, it's another disjointed album. They, instead of doing the heavy songs and mixed with the melody, they're doing heavier songs and lighter songs, and then the heavier songs come off as feeling really forced, and there's just a whole new level of cheese on the ballad songs. Yeah, they really lost me at this album. I pretty much had checked out at this point. Yeah, not much to say on that one. They did release album number eight, Madness, in April of 2017. This was another one that was a bit of a mixed-up mess. Uh, They worked with producer Howard Benson, who's worked with In Flames. Uh, It's worth noting that the longtime bassist Gene Sagan left the band at this point and was replaced by Aaron Patrick. Uh, There's a couple of bangers on here and lots of songs that are just kind of mid. And there's also a really cringy cover of Garth Brooks's Thunder Rolls. Did you say that's cringy, but I think it's the only thing on this album worth even giving a second to check out. Man, that shit's terrible, man. Hmm. I'll give you a better... There's a better cover of Thunder Rolls. There's a band called Overseeing that does it. I'm sure there are better covers, but this particular garbage-ass album is the only track. Love it. Which album was that? Coming up. Fuck Love's coming up, and that's a good one. Yeah, that that Thunder Rolls cover sucks balls, though. Finally, we get to the band's most recent album, Victim of the New Disease. Now, this was released in November of 2018, unless Justin says otherwise. And this was the final album to feature founding guitarist Ollie Herbert, who sadly left this world less than a month before the album was, was released. And he died under suspicious circumstances. But that is a podcast for another time. Accident or something. He was found uh, drowned in a lake behind his house. Interesting. Why is that suspicious? Because yeah, that's it, fucking odd. It's a podcast for another time, but it's largely suspected that his wife at the time had something to do with it. Oh, all right. Neat. So they brought in Daniel Laskowitz, better known as DL, to produce this album. Oh, yeah. You may know DL as the founding guitarist of Acacia Strain. And he's now the current vocalist of Bad Wolves. Bad Wolves? Really? Didn't we just talk about them? <laughs> it's all connected. Hey, all these metal It's a bands. small metal world. Yep. It's like we know what we're doing. <laughs> this album definitely has its moments. Mm. The opening track, Fuck Love, goes hard. Mm. Hey, yes it does. So, Fuck Love. If you took all the things I don't like about Slipknot, and made a song, it would be this fucking song. This song is bad as fuck. Sounds like Slipknot with all the dumb shit out, like, taking out of it. Oh, okay, I misunderstood well, you. you. I was taking it the other way around. you said all the things you don't like, I was imagining you hated like, this song. Like, you yeah, take you all the you think stuff all out. Yeah. And because what was, what, all that remains. Because is, those unfamiliar... Is this cool song. Those, love, those unfamiliar, Bobby gave their self-titled album Slipknot a six. Yeah, but I'm like, their whole catalog is not fucking sick. I would agree with that. Yeah, I get what you're saying. one. Okay. And they do a bunch of dumb Fuck shit. Love and if is... you took that out, it would the fucking skeleton would be this song. It's a good one. Fuck Love is a really really cool song from a band that I had wrote off years before this album even came out. So it's cool to hear. Uh, I do also like Alone in the Darkness on this album. All right. Yeah, there's there's some other cool songs like Wasteland. Yeah, uh, that's solid they, too. They blend they do a good job of blending like some more accessible stuff, but they they bring in some heavy elements and they do it in a different way but like it's not the standard metalcore formula like he's singing his ass off but then there's like heavy shredding and stuff going on at the same time it's, it's different but this was 2018 18 or six years now there's no talk of a new album yet nope they've not done anything since ollie passed yeah so overall all That Remains is one of the most important bands to come out of the metalcore scene. Definitely. Uh, and much like some of the other bands in the scene, their catalog is inconsistent. 
But without albums like Full of Ideals, the landscape of heavy metal could look very different today. I'll always support this band and go check out their shows any chance I get. And mm-hmm. I remain hopeful that they are going to capture that lightning in a bottle again, but also realistic that it may never happen. If you only have time to check out one album by this band, obviously you need to listen to The Fall of Ideals. But if you yep. want to do a deep dive, there's no better place to start than at the beginning. Yep. Fucking all I that remains. That. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about White Zombie. Fuck yeah. Groove metal at some point from New York. They were formed in 1985 by frontman Rob Zombie. You guys ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. Rob that's Zombie? fucking crazy, man. I was two years old. This, I was a I year. Don't, I don't like that. That's a long time ago. He had a different goofy name before that. What the fuck was it? He did, and I didn't write it down. You it's should like, look that like up. like Rob Dirt Scrapey. It was something real fucking dumb. Rob Zombie's better, I guess, but yeah. But Zombie formed the band with his then-girlfriend and bass player, Shauna Reynolds, who also had a stage name that I don't remember offhand. Do you remember, Bobby? No, I shouldn't have gone with Shawn Forgettable. I guess it's like Esalt. Esalt. Well, they would She's sp- fucking cool, though, man. Don't talk shit. She's fucking awesome. I didn't say anything about her. Ladies of metal. They would pair up with guitar player Paul Kostabi and drummer Peter Landau to release White Zombie's first four-track EP in 1985 titled Gods of Voodoo Moon. Mm -hmm. A few months later in May 1986, a two-track EP titled Pig Heaven and Slaughter the Grey was released with Ivan D. Prum on good drums. Good drums? On good drums? Good drums? Hey, man, whatever. It's been a long night. And uh, Tim Jeffs was on guitar for that EP. Uh, Tim was only on that one EP before he was replaced by Tom Guy. On guitar in 1987 for the seven-track EP Psycho Head Blowout. To me, there was some cool riffing on these early zombie EPs, but it was more like 70s-inspired rock than the horror groove that we got used to later on. What did you guys think of the early EPs? Definitely that Iggy Pop influence with the fucking uh, lyrics and the the vocal approach for sure. Definitely a more uh, scummy punk rock. Yeah, that uh, that hardcore punk rock scene that was going on in uh, New York there, that kind of artsy stuff like uh, the Beastie Boys, like the the old old Beastie Boys, the punk rock stuff, like Misfits that yep. had the uh, the that, imagery and stuff, you know, that scuzzy shit with low production value. Yeah, 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 that was what was going on, man. I I like that old stuff though, but uh, all of those lineup changes with the car, they all fucking suck. The dude Jay that ends up coming in, he's the fucking man, and uh, what is it? Disaster Blaster, they've re-recorded on the uh, God of Thunder EP with the J playing, and it's just a way better fucking song and showcases how much he changed their fucking sound as a whole because they went from punk rock, unorthodox, artsy stuff to the, to metal all of a sudden. And, it, yeah. and just for the reference, all these EPs were released on the It Came From NYC uh, album that came out in like 2000s. 16, I want to say. That is a cool one. It's, it's everything. It compiles all, one all this. Go. It's like 60-something songs. Yeah, that, that's all this cool. shit together, yeah. Let's kick that on shuffle. Pretty interesting and weird to hear the old shit and to, you know, especially now we know, like, where it ended up and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's also interesting to me because later on with his solo career, like, he kind of revisited some of the weird shit that he used to do in the early days. Mm-hmm. Albeit much more produced and stuff, but he kind of revisited some of those weird, he had a uh, like 70s rock yeah. type stuff that he's he doing he here. He had this vision and it's weird how he ended up getting there. You know I mean? Yeah. Fuck yeah. So the lineup would remain the same for their first full length album, which was Soul Crusher, released November 1987. More of that same low production noise from the EPs. The coolest thing from this album is the cover, which reminds me of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which is long before that movie ever came out. This all feels something like the Sawyer family from Texas Chainsaw Massacre would listen to. Oh, yeah, dirty, grainy. Yeah, that's yeah. so fucking... Yep. Yeah. Die, Zombie, Die is definitely <laughs> the coolest one. track on the album. Yeah, man. Again, he had that vision. I think that's when they first started getting the weird movie samples and shit. A little bit. It's minor, but it's in but there. But that's... Uh, that was still a new idea, like in general back then, yeah. and uh, just fucking their whole imagery, their whole style. He had the, he was smart, man. They had an idea. It took him a while to figure out how to fucking nail it, 
And he even figured out what he really wanted and then went off and did it himself. But yeah, the fucking white zombie, what a cool journey they took. Punk rock scummy origins. It's still pretty much unrecognizable at this point, Mm -hmm. though, as to what, compared to what we all knew as white zombies, you know, what they became eventually. There's nowhere else you can do that. In that kind of scene, you can go crank out all this weird experimental shit and then it fall or it might fucking work. And then, you know, you try it out again. Like, a lot of the early stuff was self-fucking-promoted and shit, independent style, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It didn't get a big until right before Life Sex or Seas, though. But you know? kudos because they kept getting heavier and yeah. more aggressive, you know, like faster yeah. vocals and heavier guitars, like, as well, they went along. So I, I would also compare it to, like, early Sepultura. Also, early Sepultura was just very different from what they became popular with later on, where it became, yeah. or they okay. embraced yeah. the groove. It's a very mm-hmm. similar but trajectory. One thing about Sepultura. Rob Zombie, like, whatever he does, it's always going to be fucking weird. Definitely. Catchy, though. He's yeah. a catchy motherfucker. Oh, dude knows how to write songs. Doing. Yeah, yeah. Even though it it's fucking weird, but it's, like, really fucking catchy. You yeah. want to be like it's provocative you're like what the fuck is going on over there mm-hmm. that seems fun and weird and yeah yeah yep so the revolving door at guitars would see john Ricci join in 1989 for make them die slowly and somehow the production <laughs> got yeah. somehow somehow the production got even worse on this i think the, <laughs> album, the album before feels like it came out after this one but it didn't this is very trebly there's mm. like no bass involved and that's his girlfriend at the time did you not like her and just like stifled her bass or what the fuck was Can't going like on there like a man. Uh, but there is a lot of cool shit going on if you can get past the production demon speed is a great opener mm-hmm. murder world has a kill killer solo and some fast riffing and god slayer is an ominous moody closer i'd honestly like to hear this album re-recorded with some more depth to it that would be a fucking great idea, but they're probably never going to No, it'll never happen. No, he's not revisiting any of that stuff. But yeah, production aside, yeah, this is, they're starting to get in. Yeah. They're, this is the prototype. They're starting to become white zombie that we all, that we grew up with. Yeah. If, you, little, if you dig in, you'll, you'll, a little, little bit older than us. You'll fucking hear it in here. If you, you just got to dig. This you got to really listen there. It's there. It. Yeah. It's a do yourself punk rug vibe. Like you said, the production shittier. Again, they're probably going even more independent. Like, fuck you. We're doing it all. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me. I have a vision. Yeah. I want zombie noises. And yeah. All the time. And we're going to figure but, it out. Like you know everything I mean? about this feels like it came before Soul Crusher. I just don't get it. I, I see. I don't think so. I even think, even the album cover looks like so much I, more primitive compared but I to Soul Crusher. Musically, it's a progression. Okay, I, I, I get mm. what you're saying though. Like it sounds like a step back because of the production, but the music is more aggressive and it's a yeah. little faster and it's a little less, a little less experimental and kind of stonery. Like it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know. I I don't see it that way. Oh, man, I wish they'd be recorded. But I I get where. Where you're hearing that because, yeah, it sounds like a step back yeah. and, the, you know, the album covers and whatnot. So later in 1989, they would release their fourth EP, which was titled God of Thunder, mm-hmm. featuring a solid cover of the famous Kiss track. Mm-hmm. Jay Younger would become the fifth guitar player in five years. He's the fucking man. The dude rules. After releasing four EPs and two albums over the first five years, they decided... Let's spend some time on our next album. Yes. And it would become La Sexa Sistro, Devil Music Volume That's not what 1. You said it wrong as fuck. That's the closest he ever got. At least I didn't say Alexisaurus. I, I think I'm going to leave this in because that's the closest. No, nah, man. So, Bobby. I'd rather a sore ass than a Sistro. Bobby, you tell me how the album is said. La Sexa Sistro. La Sexa Sistro. You're actually. Sistro. You're the only person I ever met that can't say it, but it's I hilarious. I can't say it, and it's no fine because it's my thing. I say shit wrong all the you time. You always say La Sexy Saurus, and I, that's funny. So. La Sexy Saurus. But the important awesome. part, it was Devil Music Volume 1. They <laughs> never released Volume 2. I'm waiting all these years later. Ellipses, man. Ellipses. I was, I'm waiting all these years later. This was released in March of 1992. 22 years later, I want Volume 2. Come on, good Rob. good it is. It lets you want more. That's a good job. Well, this is where the band would really take off. It opens with Welcome to Planet Motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And they start off <laughs> with an old school record spinning. It's got the pops and the static, mm-hmm. you would think. And it's just the same old crap we heard in the 80s from White Zombie. No. But then the samples come in. 
And then the sound of the amps come in and we're fully plugged in finally. And this track has some groove ushering in the next era of white zombie. Finally, immediately you get your head bobbing and you know something's just a little different here. Mm. Track three gives us one of the most iconic riffs ever with Thunder Kiss 65. Mm. But my favorite track has always been Black Sunshine. It's the ultimate driving song. Soul Crusher, Comic Zombies Inc., and I Am Legend all also stand out. Great. This is finally the white zombie we all love. Yeah, oh, that's man. fucking so good. And he got Iggy Pop to fucking do the little intro bit there. I'm sure he was super happy about that. Just fucking back to front, just well thought out. All the cut and paste samples and noises. And it's like you, like you tuned into some weird fucking heavy metal horror show on the radio on like a fucking weekend or something. It blended it all better than anybody had before. Yeah, it was fucking, it's still fucking good. You kick it all now, it's still badass fuck. Amazing album. Nobody's doing that kind of shit besides, you know, him. And until I heard you say it, you know, I didn't know they were pumping stuff out back to back to back to back like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, of course it makes sense. You're going to have this huge jump right here when you actually took the time to think it all out mm -hmm. and plan it out and they did it like Mm -hmm. they made an album that's like it's it's perfectly arranged it's got everything like Mm -hmm. i I can't criticize that album there's nothing bad to say about it like you kind of don't want to just pick one song you want to listen to the whole thing because the one song before and after all blends together one of those albums into one of these cool shoes yeah, it's where you hear the one song and you're automatically waiting mm-hmm. for the next one to mm-hmm. kick in. There's only a few albums like that, man, and those are special. It's yeah. all part of the story. One leads into the next, which leads into the next. So. There's just so many cool little samples of just funny, you know, do you have to open graves to find girls to fall in love with? I don't. He's being mean about things, you know, it's fucking, that's so many fucking cool things. And everything set, the guitar tone is incredible, cool effects on it. The bass is fucking pushed up front more, you know, I guess is, you know, the, your bad girlfriend, you can't be heard on the album is no longer applicable. Uh, the drummer's fucking holding it down. Just fucking incredible. I'm so happy we got to talk about White Zombie and finally talking about La Sexorcista, also known as La Sexysaurus. It's a great fucking album. It's great. Killer yeah. fucking band. And I often forget that they're from the Northeast. They definitely fucking Same. represent. I, I always think of Zombie from California for some reason, yeah. but he's from New York. Totally. Man. So in 1994, two years after that album came out, mm-hmm. Zombie would release a Black Sabbath cover titled Children of the Grave on the Nativity in Black tribute album. I'll give a fuck his better version. This stands version. out. I'll say it. Yeah, it is. This stands out as one of my favorite cover songs. This is made oh. for them. All time. I feel this like is, you guys maybe talked about this. It's, was that on episode number three? It probably Can't talk about was. things we talked about before. No, you know, I'm it, reminding the listeners if they want to go hear it. It probably was on three, and I'll probably reference it again because this is literally one of my favorite zombie songs ever created. Children, of, Children of the Grave. I know they didn't create it, but they covered it, and they did it better than... Ozzy and his friends ever could. Ozzy and his friends. That's what you call oh, Black Sabbath. Fuck. You <laughs> turned that into that. Oh, damn. Jeez. I'm, I'm, I'm against you. He just idea. summed up Black Sabbath as Ozzy and his friends. Baby. You and your little oh, friends made a good song. I like that one. Also, around the time they did another song called, oh, was it I Am Hell? Which is I a good good song as well. Just a one-off. These weren't on any albums or anything. But these are cool tracks to go check out. John Tempesta would mm-hmm. join the band for their fourth and final studio album of new songs, which was Astro Creep 2000. There's a lot of other shit at the end of that title. If Bobby wants to name it, he can. Motherfucker, this ain't goddamn King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard. He can't. So I it's just know. Astro Creep 2000. That's it what was, I call it. Right? It was released in April of 1995, almost 30 years ago. God, we're getting old, guys. 29 years. Uh, one of the only uh, two albums to get a perfect six 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 rating from the three of us. The other one was Chaos AD. Mm. We still stick by that six six six. What would you rate Less Sexy Source? Less Sexy Source. I would give it a six. Oh fuck, I fucking love it. That's one of my favorite albums of all time. Stay tuned. Maybe I'll give the rating later I'm just on. Saying. Is it a six? I don't know. Is yeah, it a, a five five? Maybe. Is it's it a five, five or six for sure? Maybe. Right? 
It's no less than I want like a fresh listen to take it all in, but yeah. it's a five or a six. I'm gonna skip nothing for sure. I will it's give nothing. you Even no fucking thunder's kiss. He's here down the read out. Fucking, it's still I'll good give song. you no less than a five out of that. I'm just saying it's possibly a six, but I'll give you no less than a five. It's but, better than Astro Creep, I think. But, but Astro Creep is a six also. Our Astro, our Astro, Astro Glide. Mm. Hey, Astro. Welcome to my life. Our Astro Creep review is on episode 12. If anybody wants to go back and check it out, all the way back to 12, the production is not as great. It kind of sounds like God's on Sounds like Buddha early, yeah. It's going to be, all right. But, but it, it is what it is. If you'd like to try some Astro Glide 2000, it's available on our website. But hey, we, we all got to start somewhere. Yeah. I don't know who the producer was then, but he fucking sucked. J-Man, which we fired and we got a new guy we don't have a nickname for. <laughs> J-Man he, he might be the same guy, but we need a new nickname. If you have a new nickname for Jason, hit us up in the comments. But Astro Creep, what a great album. He's going to get so many dumb names. <laughs> Astro Creep took the blueprint from the last album, which was Les Sexosaurus. <laughs> And they perfected on every way. More samples, more mood, more groove, more riffs, just more fucking cool. Uh, starting with one of the best opening tracks of all time, Electric Head. What? Electric Head should have been on the greatest openers of all time because it's fucking great. Oh, you should have spoke about that. I brought up White Zombie. Why didn't you? I should have. But here we are. So I'm bringing up again. The go. iconic More Human Than Human is also okay. on this album, which I'm sure you've all heard by now. But my favorite oh, two nice. tracks are actually the least two streams on this entire fucking album. What is wrong with you people? Really blurred the Technicolor is a popular one? That's my favorite. I love that one. It is not popular. Grease, Paint, and Monkey Brains and El Fantismo are the two least stream songs on this album but they are my favorite two tracks that there are the technicolor and blood milk and sky are also other standouts on this fucking six of an album my man just named off half of the tracks on the album and he didn't even mention electric head part two <laughs> electric head part two is another great track good one too yeah. but top to bottom there are no skips this is an absolutely fucking perfect album which we've all given six to two before if someone asks me what is groove metal i'm sending them this album Oh, this yeah. is it. Totally, yeah. White this Zombie. is this is the peak. This is the one you don't miss. Astro Creep 2000 by White Zombie. It's peak fucking groove metal. Even the remixes, the sexy swinging sounds. That shit's party oh, as yeah, fuck. Man, that's a fun album. So, sexy swinging sound right. was released in April to 1996. It's more industrial for the most part, mm -hmm. and just doesn't work very well. Yeah, White Zombie would crank out an album, and you get cool fucking B sides of like covers like Boogeyman and the uh, God of Thunder, and then they would kick out the uh, weird industrial remixes and shit. Kind of like uh, Fear Factory did the same thing. That's exactly what I was going to say. And Which I, is cool, I think. I don't ever judge those as if they're a regular album because mm -hmm. it's kind of a component to the other album. You mm -hmm. know, like, okay, we gave you this, but what if this Here's some dance sounded stuff. like this? You know, it's just a different take on it. I, I think it's cool. At the time, if you had one of them girls that was into doing stuff, and you'd be like, yeah, we kick on this album, I'll work with that. So the final song White Zombie ever released mm -hmm. as a band was on the Beavis and Butthead soundtrack. It was, it was titled Rat Finks, Suicide Tanks, and Cannibal Girls. Mm -hmm. It's a track I definitely recommend giving a spin. It was a perfect bridge into zombies solo work. Mm -hmm. They did all kind of extra stuff for the Beavis and Butthead weird solo album the fucking was it strange land crow soundtrack they had the, the, the fucking the cool extra tracks white zombie 
Yeah, man. And Bobby mentioned that cover of Boogeyman. Like, that's one of the best covers I ever heard. I don't know how we haven't talked about it on the show before, but because Bobby mentioned it a million times. He probably has because oh, yeah. Bobby loves disco and it's definitely, mm-hmm. a, you know, covered disco songs. So. Mm-hmm. But I love the way they blended it. Like, it's great. You probably did talk about it on the covers episode, actually. I might have. So White Zombie officially broke up in September 1998. It was just one month after Rob Zombie released his iconic solo debut, Hillbilly Deluxe. Rob continues to perform many of White Zombie's biggest hits to this day, including Thunder Kiss, More Human Than Human, and other tracks. The impact this band had with basically just two albums, it's absolutely wild they had that big of an impact. Because I don't care what you said, but but Soul Crusher and stuff, it's just not no, It was there. mainly just those two albums. It was just the two albums. They blended many different styles and incorporated horror into metal in a way that I hadn't heard before. It's too bad they'll never honestly get back together mm-hmm. to do some anniversary shows to play these albums in full, because I'd be 100% down no, for that. Exactly. Yeah. But Rob and his ex just don't get along, and it is what it is. No. Yeah, Sean, you saw she went off to uh, getting that like, gothic surf punk band the famous monsters and then jay ended up being more like producer and produced was it fu manchu the action is go which was the first album to feature not eddie glass and ruben they went off to do nebula i believe that's when brant bjork from caius joined so that was pretty neat that he went from the, the whole artsy new york west east coast vibe and went over to the west coast did the really killer desert rock album Jay, that dude rules. And then obviously Rob went off and did his prolific fucking career and plus got mm-hmm. into movies and shit. So yeah, good job. But White Zombie, uh, you don't often think about it, but they definitely are a big ass band from the Northeast, man. Fucking good pick. White Zombie. So that's six bands from the Northeast that you can check out. Fuck yeah, check it out. We'll be back next week for an in-depth discography on a certain specific band that you all might love. All right, everyone. That is our episode for this week. That's it. Hopefully you enjoyed part two of our conversation about bands from the Northeast. I'm sure you did. If you didn't, let us know in the comments why you didn't like it. There is a gajillion bands that we didn't get to talk about. So let us know who your favorite band is from the Northeast United States. There's tons to choose from. That's it for this week. That's it, motherfuckers. What do you want from us? Jesus. Until next week. Until. Keep it metal. Keep it. And slit your wrist without a sound. Rage with respect. No, we didn't say that. Oh, fuck. It was a thing to this. We did a whole thing. God damn it. I fucked it up. Have you guys heard these two songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I thought Blur to Technicolor was like a low one, too. I like that. It is low, but, but I'm not talking than, about that You said right those now. were the two least. I, I thought mine was the least. You said the shit I like is the these least. two least, which are Grease I'm trying to keep it going. And James L- is losing L- shit over here. For your fucking orgasm noise. Fucking I'm trying to keep the boat afloat, bro. Grease paint. Bro, sounds on- like he's been staring lines over here, dude. God. He's like, damn. He can't stop. Oh, man. It was... Grease all of a sudden he went into like hyper I'm the only professional Grease and El <laughs> I don't know what to tell you guys. If you don't like them, fuck you. But that's what you tell them. <laughs> Super you tell them, motherfucker. <laughs> Get some of that. This is great. Supercharger Heaven, Creature of the Wheel, and Blue the Technicolor, as well as Blood the Technicolor. That's what I said. I said Blue. Shut up. Blue milk. <laughs> what is this? Star Wars? That's a fun album. So Sexy Swingin' Sound right. was released in April to 1996. Oh, it's more industrial. And, and oh my God. <laughs> it's some industrial. I'm sorry, Future Jason. I drank <laughs> one too many. It's you more industrial. Too many. I drank the same shit, man. It's more industrial for the most part, mm-hmm. and just doesn't work very well. This out. <laughs>